Like what you hear on this podcast? And maybe you're tired of those longer, annoying lawyer ads every few minutes on regular radio. Well, make the switch with me to RadioTucker.com to listen local with news updates three days a week from Peach News Now. Also find Radio Tucker on your favorite home smart device. That's RadioTucker.com. Are you ready to snuggle in with the family this holiday season of that post-turkey snooze fest? Yeah, not me either. Let's upgrade that holiday with a vacation instead. Check out my upgrade offer, a new podcast from Peach News Now. Go to peachnews.co, click on the podcast link to listen, and let's find your holiday upgrade together. Yeah. And this is calling me back to one of my prior episodes, and I uh, interviewed a uh, person that works in uh, mental health. Mm-hmm. I believe that Jason was his name. And... Um, you know, that I tried to, and I, I understand why he couldn't exactly directly answer, but, uh, you know, just to put it out there, you know, some of these people, I think you'd actually in this episode have used the word crazy or stupid or things like that. It's hard to use those terms in mental health. But on the other hand, if one of these people that was in D.C. on January 6th, would potentially be in front of a mental health professional, are they clinically sane? And again, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a therapist, but these people that they are almost living in their own world of their own reality, that you you try to argue with them, sorry? Uh, can can I say a couple of disclaimers that I I always do want to make sure that I make, which which is just like, These people are criminals. Like I watched people rushing in through a broken window and streaming in to the United States Capitol building while Congress was in session. They like forced Congress to flee the building. That is clearly a crime. You know, as as like an author with journalistic integrity, I, I, um, I, I would never actively try to turn in any of the people who talked to me. Because that's that's not what you do. I'm there to gather accurate records. But people in my book, they talked about like breaking into the Capitol and punching police officers. That's obviously a crime. Like I may call bullshit a little bit on some of the political narratives that play it up into something it wasn't. But I'm not on these people's side. You know, I do hope that they all get get punished for what they did. Um, having having said that, like. Yes, like some of the people I talk to have some absolutely bizarre belief systems. But I think the reason we got to this point, and this is what their critics never seem to get, is because we told them they were crazy when they weren't. You know, I talk to guys who say that, oh, I think COVID was created in a lab leak in China. And for years, we told that guy he was crazy. His friends said he was crazy. His family said he was crazy. The TV said he was crazy. But now it turns out that wasn't crazy. Like some people hold back from admitting that definitely happened, but they're admitting that it's at least possible now. So all the people, both at official levels and in their personal circles, who told this guy they were crazy, they were wrong. You know, so like, of course, he's not going to believe you when you tell him he's crazy about something else. Like we've lost our own ability to like to like, you know, that the things we say and the accusations we make so they don't listen when they're criticized now and i'm not surprised that happened it's a feedback loop yeah 
and it almost kind of there's a new story this week that comes out of uh, Europe, and this is almost drawing some parallels that, that some orca whales attacked a boat, mm-hmm. and you know the 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 folks over. to bump it to make it do what they you know there's all that and then there's a whole other part of people who are saying well they're just mad and they're seeking revenge <laughs> i mean well, we obviously cannot you know know what an orca whale is thinking but some of these people are you know we we and i'll kind of put both of us because i think we have a similar viewpoint on how this all went down mm-hmm. looking at these crazed modest people doing what they are doing in, in their mind they feel like they are doing the right thing. Absolutely. And it is so difficult. Yeah. It is so difficult to to get through that. They are so worked up. They're so in this moment. And it is so difficult to break through. And kind of back to what you were saying, you know, that some of these people are on social media. They claim they won an argument just because, you know, somebody stopped coming at them or they blocked somebody. It's not that simple. It's 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 such a weird place that I feel like we're in, and I also try to go back because again my degrees are in IT, and you know this whole social media and the internet are relatively new. Um, did this happen before? <laughs> you know we had the internet, and, and would it been, would it have been possible for this mob to come together and do what they did if we didn't have something like the internet to organize them? So um, I know we're not going to solve all the problems here, but it's just this is where my mind is going as you were talking about. I'd like to respond to something you said slightly earlier in that, which you talk to people and they just they don't really seem to have the framework for like taking in new information and considering the fact that they might be wrong. And they, they think that like if they can block someone or if they can yell louder it makes them right and i see this just as much on the left as on the right like i went to like blm rallies i what's fascinating to me is like when i was at that thing in seattle that they called it the chop when i was there they called it the Chaz before that, but like the area where the protesters had taken over several blocks, there were a lot of similarities between those crowds and the MAGA crowds, the same sorts of behaviors. They like, I'm always right, and I just have to make you shut up and silence you, and that makes me right. And it was like there was a total, total short-circuiting of the learning process. Like nobody had ever taught them that. They hadn't gone to a good school. Like I don't think... The mind of a of a kid is very malleable. Like you can teach a kid all sorts of habits, thinking habits, how to solve problems when they're young. But if no one ever teaches them that and they get to be like, let's generously say 25, 26, they're maybe never going to learn it. <laughs> like you may have missed your window. And I meet people who just, again, on the left and the right, who just they don't get that that's a thing. Like what we have to do What I see my ultimate holy mission now is I want to save the enlightenment. 
it was only about 400 years ago that you know western civilization the heirs of the romans sort of rediscovered some of the ancient philosophers put a new spin on it and invented the actual system we call the scientific method and more broadly the idea that everything should be questioned everything should be examined you know using this process thought about logically you know you don't make the appeal to to religion you don't change things for a political narrative just look at what we have and examine it and and, and think about it and that's where most of the american revolution comes from is these enlightenment era philosophers that about 100 years and people said let's actually try these ideas let's actually put them into place and that's what the american experiment is it's an it's an enlightenment experiment it's an experimental Im implementation of the ideas of the enlightenment the scientific method the idea that you should question that you should think and try to do it in a process you know basically shining light on the world that's how thomas jefferson described thinking we need to save that if our civilization is going to die we need to put that in the time capsule and save it so someone else can use it because i see people who are not taught those processes anymore, who just the basic idea, the fundamental idea that you can learn, that like, like the truth is not who's loudest, that you can just make, you know, you can judge based on data and think for yourself. Like everyone is capable of doing that, but less and less people do these days. So I'm worried. I see the enlightenment as the most important thing in our civilization to stash in the time capsule and try to save it for someone somewhere else to try again should we fail and what you mentioned now it speaks to my idea my general little thesis that that lesson's no longer being taught to people and that's part of the problem yeah and, and just examples i mean i i, thought, I told you i was going to weed this in i'll make sure i can get it into camera but there is this um uh i may have to get the, oh you got something yeah it. sometimes if I you got, put like an object like in front of your body it doesn't it doesn't hide it as much yeah there you uh, go there we go but the, this is all it's almost crazy speak that this is saint matthew's churches that a p.o box in tulsa oklahoma sent the money I, I assume they didn't just send this to me it was mass mailed and on the front it says this very old church loans this to you to bless someone connected with this home then it must go to another family that desires God's blessing. See the letter inside. And what was inside was a paper prayer rug okay. and a, an alleged testimonial from a woman that had gotten all this money by using a prayer rug. And, of course, I just shook my head that there is, you know, a thing. I've heard of holy water before, but this is the first time I've ever heard of a prayer rug. And, you know, honestly, I think, I think something that's a fairly like this, common I, term. Like, um, um, well, I mean, like, well, Muslims I have really thought about Muslims. Right. Yeah. I, I thought about Muslims, but to actually a Protestant St. Matthew's churches in Tulsa, Oklahoma, if you were to say the word Muslim around there, you would probably get thrown out of the building. <laughs> but they have, you know, kind of taken this and, and uh, but uh, yeah, I do agree of, of the whole, you know, but they almost they call it a prayer rug. But where I'm going with this is that I almost, some of these people that could you maybe trip a couple of them up to get them out of this whole alternate reality they are in by putting them on a prayer rug and maybe they can pray their way out of it. I don't know, but it's just so 
uh, concerning and scary, as is a word you've used here too, that you have these groups of people that still to this day just, they don't believe this happened. They believe it was right, that this is total political persecution against the people involved in it. It's just, no, they broke laws and they have to pay the price. All right, uh, a lot to unpack there. I don't think I could I could respond <laughs> to all of those points. Um, I mean, okay. I I think a lot of these things fit together. Like again, like I I tried to make the point. Like if you look at history, like if, if a civilization is about to collapse or if stuff is about to get crazy, it's um. It's often when there's a sudden change in the quality of life of a lot of people like sometimes people have this idea that you know people will live in you know horrible conditions horrible poverty for 50 years 100 years and then finally they'll have had enough and they will strike back but my read is that often what happens is if people were doing relatively well and then there's a drop off in their way of life. That's when they're more likely to snap, when things are getting worse, when there's a change or maybe not relatively well. But like people don't just stand up and say, hmm, today's the same as yesterday, which is the same 10 years ago. Let's have a revolution. No, no. Something sets them off. They're like things are getting bad. And I think there's a lot of people in this country who are drowning in debt, who are legitimately questioning if they can afford to pay for their kids' medicine or their kids' food. And no one cares. you know. And so like, I think when that happens, you turn to religion. Religion cares about you. Religion gives you hope. Nobody else cares. Um, I think you see a lot of religious revivalisms when that is happening. I, I think, and by the way, I'm not anti-religion. Like, I have a, a weird and complex relationship with faith, but I, I have been known to pray from time to time. I, I believe prayer is a good thing. Um, I, I'm a bit more critical of organized religions that, you know, take people's money and buy lobbyists. Um, but, you know, with the concept of religion, I'm, I'm not against that. But I do think you see uh, when people are desperate, when people are scared, you often get people returning to religion because that's the only thing giving them hope. I think the the other side, the secularists, the people I would tentatively say I'm more or less one of have have failed to address that. And that's why a lot of that is happening. And I also think that that same urge to just believe in something because it's so grim and this person has an answer. I think that explains a lot of what we see with the MAGA people. If you remember the, the Q, QAnon forums, that was huge for a while. Uh, a lot of all this willingness to believe almost anything, I think part of it comes from a place of desperation. Yeah. And, you know, we are recording this on Wednesday, November 8th. Um, a lot of places had elections yesterday. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, one that came to mind, I was looking at the results, you know, from uh, here in Georgia, it was not that big of a deal because uh, you had some local city races, you had some uh, referendums on tax issues, but Doraville, Georgia. So Doraville, Georgia is just northeast of Atlanta, Georgia. Um, that city has been around almost as long as Atlanta has been incorporated. 
they elected a mayor with 168 votes. Like total or that was that the city, No, that was the total people that showed wow. up and cast the ballot for the mayor of Doraville, Georgia. The city is estimated to have about 11,000 people. Um, yeah, Steph and Koontz, that, that's, that, again, that the, tracks, if I can tie back to my brand with the Chasing History yeah, Project, yeah. if you yeah. look at a lot of the elections during the French Revolution, um, the longer it went on, the crazier things got, the less people voted. Like, you know, it starts out as as a monarchy with some weird, archaic type of voting. Then they go through a lot of different phases. They overthrow the kings. They keep saying, oh, we're democracy now. But the longer it went on, like less and less people bothered to vote. Like people just they just stopped believing in the system. Uh, and then, you know, it eventually, of course, collapsed back into tyranny. The, the French went through that cycle rather quickly. You know, you had the emperor Napoleon. So that that fits that type of thing that I'm saying, you know, because like I just feel like just putting my opinions front and center for once. That's irony. I spread my opinions all the time. Um, I think America has been in a state of crisis for so long that we're all kind of sick of it. We're kind of like used to it. Like it's going on like things have been obviously bad for a long time for a lot of people. And if you really don't agree with that, then you're the one in the bubble. You're a rich, privileged person if you think things are going great. And I think a lot of people have given up. You know, they're like, gosh, well, things just suck, you know. And then so, uh, you know, so when I was reading that 168 people voted for Doraville mayor, I was like, well, are things just that good over there? And nobody just didn't want to show up to throw the other guy out. They didn't want it was the incumbent that won, I believe. So I mean, he I, is, you know, mayor again. I, I think about this it, stuff a lot. Yeah, you know, too busy? Yeah. All my life I've been, you know, uh, the word political junkie definitely, definitely fits because it is an unhealthy addiction the way I approach politics and always have. So, I mean, that, I, my, my, that was my BA as political science. So I, I've been thinking about politics all my life. I think people don't vote because they think it doesn't work. I just think it seems pointless to them. Like the, I, the way democracy should work in my mind, the best case scenario is that things get bad. People are angry. So they vote to throw out whoever is in power and give someone else a chance. I think in a nutshell, that's what we're shooting for. You want a system that does that. People want to make it do more. They want to make it like this perfect representation of everything they believe. I'm not sure how doable that is, but I do think we can kick out leaders who are bad at their jobs and let someone else try. I think that is achievable at least. But I think most people don't see it that way. Like they look at things being terrible like they look at homeless tents taking over all the public uh, spaces in their park i look at that and i'm like okay whoever is the mayor of this city i'm not voting for like i would on instantly make that connection i think most people don't i don't think they think of voting as doing anything or having any you know result or impact from the community around them it's if anything it's just like uh, an argument it's just like their political narrative well i'm on team a well i'm on team b and and that's it it's not like connected to recent events in any way to a lot of people which is troubling because <laughs> can't work that way that's my read yeah yeah for sure and and this is coming off you know living here in atlanta uh you know the late mr john lewis that uh, was so involved in you know civil rights martin luther king mm -hmm. 
um, you know, he fought and literally was bashed and, you know, had the scars. Uh, Dr. King was killed for some of the things that he was done, you know, to, to preserve that we even have the ability to still vote. And yet I look over at Doorville and 168 people um, and were, I guess, not busy enough to show up and actually cast a ballot. And, and for the record, you mentioned uh, the late, great Martin Luther King Jr., I love MLK. I, I, I have never found anyone who expressed my own philosophies as succinctly and eloquently. Like there's all these conversations I have with like the modern day political activists where, you know, I'm I'm kind of trying to like tell them, you know, basically you're doing it wrong. <laughs> like like I had that I had this conversation so many times with the BLM people in Seattle. You know, and like they're like, oh, well, you're just you're just a Republican. You're just the other side. I'm like, no, I just want you to read letter from Birmingham jail like it, it, it's public. You know, it's it, you can get it instantly. You don't have to pay for it. Google it. Pull it up in your phone. Takes 10, 20 minutes. All like because Martin Luther King was a political activist. He was an incredibly successful political activist. He is a role model for people who want to change the system. Like he got shot because he was a threat to the system, because he was winning. Like if everybody did what he did, they, they can't shoot all of us or, you know, like like it, like he was he was winning like this. This is a guy who got changes. He's like, oh, hey, you know, the buses are segregated. They make black people sit at the back of the bus. Let's end that. And he did. You know, he set a clear goal and he achieved it. Of course, other people were involved. He's he's just sort of a nice symbol for a much larger, more complex movement. But I love Martin Luther King. I always recommend everyone read Martin Luther King because he he's he has a lot of very practical advice on how to be an activist in terms of defining your clear goals, you know, negotiating with people who have the power to achieve your goals only starting your protest after you've done those first two steps in order to put pressure on them to get what you want out of negotiating. Like he, he was much more focused than the modern generation of people who just seem to sort of be throwing tantrums to make themselves feel better. Like I have strong feelings about this because I've been involved with these people all my life. So after like 20 years, I'm just, I'm tired of cutting people slack. Like nobody's following MLK's advice anymore. And it's all right there expressed more beautifully than I could ever express it. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and I don't want this to all be doom and gloom. I mean, I, I think you would agree that, you know, Georgia is a purple state who knew years ago that votes here in Georgia would actually make a difference. And they're going to be even more important leading into 2024. I mean, who knew that we would have two Democratic senators from Georgia and one of them got reelected? You know, it, the, these things, uh, this is not all doom and gloom. <laughs> I, I, I just, I mean, I just want to clarify my branding here. I, I do not consider the Chasing yeah. History Project to be like part of the progressive movement, really. I, I don't particularly endorse the Democratic Party. I used to. Like I used to be when I was young, I was like knocking on doors, volunteering for Democratic campaigns every day. I, I was, you know, I was a fanatic for the Democratic Party, and I am very, very disappointed with what the Democrats have become. I um, so I don't automatically consider it good news to hear Democrats are gaining seats in any particular place. It, it could be, but it depends on the individual. And it's always possible that both sides are awful. That is often the case that you have an election and both people running are awful. That happens 
a lot in this country too. But at the end of the day, either you choose to not vote, which a lot of people in Doraville did not vote, <laughs> just my point back to that, or you have to choose the lesser of two evils, that there's no perfect candidate out there. I never um, recommend the, people I, don't vote. I, I think you should always vote. I, I turned in my ballot, especially for local elections. The smaller the election is, the more power you have. So like city council, mm -hmm. school board, I think it is just honestly Anyone who doesn't do that, I, I, it pisses me off a little bit. Like I have to like hold myself yeah. back. Everyone should vote, but I I reject the lesser of two evils idea. I think that there has to be a certain point where you look at two people and you're like, both of these people are so bad. I do not care who's worse. Like I'm not going to be forced to vote for one just because the other is worse. Like there has to be a line somewhere where they're bad enough where you don't do that. I vote third party fairly often, more and more every year. In fact, I will often vote for third party candidates that I don't even particularly agree with their views, just on the concept that I'm supporting third party candidates. And if you want to really get technical, I could veer way off and talk about some of the, the uh, reforms we need. Ranked choice voting is making some progress in, in several states. And that's one of the few signs of hope I've seen, because I do think the two-party system is fundamentally flawed, and I do think we need to make changes to it uh, in order to have more than two parties. And like as a social studies teacher, I can get as technical as you want about this, but there are reforms we can make to the system itself that makes it easier to have two parties. There are country more than two parties. There are countries that have more than two parties, and it's usually because systems are set up in a slightly different way and ranked choice voting is one option to do that they recently well in, within the last few years they adopted that in alaska and in maine and in uh in new york city for parts of the elections i strongly support ranked choice voting because i think it will open it up and make it at least a little easier for candidates from other parties to win you know if i talked about some of my election nerd friends they'd be mad at me for not even mentioning some of the other uh, reforms that are less well known but there are solutions so to get back to your original point, I do not ever recommend people not vote. I think we should vote. I think if you give up on voting, then the Democratic Republic is truly dead. But I don't think it's as simple as choosing the lesser of two evils. I think there's a little more strategy, a little more openness to third party candidates, to ballot measures and reforms. And there are some situations where I'm not going to vote for someone just because I think the other is worse. Yeah. And another comment I can't remember who said this. I'd have to go back and try to Google it. But uh, the pow some powers that be, uh, the sentiment basically was, uh, if your vote was not valuable, they would not be trying to take it away from you. <laughs> oh, boy, I'm getting to say all my cynical social studies history teacher stuff that I don't usually get to say here. Um, there is a way of viewing voting that is a bit more cynical than that, which is simply that it gets people to buy in to the right of the ruler to rule you. Like there, there is an argument that has some validity that isn't necessarily the sole truth, but I do buy into to some extent that you want people to vote so that they won't rebel. Like you don't. You don't get a violent revolution if people vote instead. It becomes a way of releasing the pressure in the civilization. 
you know, like if people, uh, if people are fed up and they, they're in an area where they can't vote, they might turn to violence. But by telling them no vote instead, you protect the ruling class from potentially violent revolutions. And I think uh, there is, that is part of it. So like the idea that people also value things that other people want. So if there's an idea that, and this is less true now than I think it was, say, around the time of the Civil War. If there's an idea that not everyone can vote, but I can vote, that makes me special. That makes me support the government and want to keep it in power. The Romans viewed their citizenship the same way. So I don't you your 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 statement about like if if voting wasn't valuable, they wouldn't try to take it away from you. That's not necessarily the only way to look at it. The way I see it, democracy, democratic republics, it's this tool that has the potential to make the world a better place. It's maybe the best tool we've got. Because uh, if we're not going to vote our way to a better civilization, what are we going to do? Like have wars? Like I don't want that. <laughs> I want to tr exhaust all options for peacefully making the world a better place. And even if I did, I, I, I'm not, I don't think I'd ever really support more than that. I meet people who have. That's a lot of what I do is interviewing people like that. But so voting can work. You can see times in history when it was set up right, when they had the checks and balances, when there was you know safeguards and enforcements of the laws and corruption was held back and voting is used for social change to make the world better. Martin Luther King and the civil rights movement proved that. So I don't ever want to give up on voting because after that, like, we're in serious trouble. But I also I don't want to have um, I want to have a realistic view of these things, having looked at like not just our nation but other nations that we're a little less sentimental about, uh, and then applying those lessons to our nations. There's a lot of um, less rosy aspects of voting when it's done badly. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Um, unfortunately, I can't continue. Um, and maybe we do a part two another day when That'd we have more great. time. But um, yeah, um, I hope you've enjoyed the conversation today. I, I have. Is, is it all right if I give like a, a general plug here? Oh. Sure. All right. So um, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I For the last year or so, I have been trying to launch the Chasing History Project. My, my book, Sorry Guys, We Stormed the Capitol, is intended to launch the much larger project in which I compare modern times to history. Uh, it's just because I witnessed January 6th, I was like, well, obviously, this is what I should write about first. Um, but it's been great talking to you because I get to branch out into those other subjects I don't usually talk about. Now, the people who may be most interested in me for January 6th, which is you know the main selling point I have, I am, a, I think, a legitimate expert on that, having witnessed it and interviewed people all throughout the process. I recently put out a podcast, the second episode of my podcast, where I read the conclusion chapter of my book in full, in which I give my condensed view of what I think really happened from the beginning of the day to the end um, with a certain amount of commentary. So people who want to hear the January 6th uh, specific information, they can check my website, 
chasinghistoryproject.com. And episode two of my podcast will be available there. That should cover everything for January 6th. Uh, anyone who just wants to support me in general, please sign up for the email list. I'm also on uh, you know, various social media, which I admittedly don't use much. I just have them because they tell me authors should have them. Um, but you know, if you sign up to subscribe in some way, then that helps me market myself and convince people I'm a real author. So it does help me if you subscribe and follow in whatever way works for you. Yeah. And something that I do tell as an idea to all the authors that I speak to is um, do not weigh out the uh, the power of donating or somehow getting a copy of your book into a public library. Oh, absolutely. My, per my book can be purchased um, basically anywhere. It's mostly Amazon sales. You can get it on Kindle. You can get it on paperback. There is a hardcover that people barely ever purchase, but you know that's the expensive one if you want to just give me money. Um, you can purchase it from any bookstore. It is in the bookstore's system. I went to the trouble of registering it in the Ingram Spark. It is not popular enough to be stocked on the shelves hopefully someday, but it wouldn't automatically be stocked, but you can order it from your local bookstore if you are so inclined. And again, it's, it's uh, sorry, guys, we stormed the Capitol, uh, book one of the Chasing History Project. Very good. Anything else to get in on the uh, episode before we wrap up? Well, whenever anyone asks me for one last thought, I, I try to I try to say this, if there's, if there's anything that I could say to people, if I had the opportunity and people were listening to me to make my little change, it would be stop worshiping political narratives. Almost everyone I meet, is, it falls into this in one way or another. You, what you need to do is try to take in information and analyze it and only then make up your mind. Everyone seems to just throw out things they don't want to hear now because it violates our political narratives and that makes it impossible to think. So please, for the love of God, both sides are causing the collapse of our civilization because of their obsession with political narratives. Let's all throw that out a little bit and get a tiny little bit of hope that America is going to make it. That would be my pitch. Very fair. All right, well, thanks, Ben. Uh, we'll get this uh, wrapped up and uh, put out. And um, if the invitation is open, maybe I'm in one of your episodes of a podcast if you can think of uh, uh, that. That would be great. I'm, I'm just getting it off the ground, but I absolutely... At some point, I would love to do that. Cool. Right. Well, I'll get this wrapped up and uh, just hang on for a moment here. Thank you for having me. Like what you hear on this podcast? And maybe you're tired of those longer, annoying lawyer ads every few minutes on regular radio. Well, make the switch with me to RadioTucker.com to listen local with news updates three days a week from Peach News Now. Also find Radio Tucker on your favorite home smart device. That's RadioTucker.com. Are you ready to snuggle in with the family this holiday season with that post-turkey snooze fest? Yeah, not me either. Let's upgrade that holiday with a vacation instead. Check out my upgrade offer, a new podcast from Peach News Now. Go to peachnews.co, click on the podcast link to listen, and let's find your holiday upgrade together.